mind of a maniac Doomed to be a killer since I came out the nutsack I'm in a murderous mind state with a heart full of terror I see the devil uh, Well, my name is Del Muir and welcome to volume 3 of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast We jump back in time machine to July of 1996 and review everything ECW uh, Volume 1 has got WCW's Bash at the Beach and the big reveal of the Outsider's Third Man Volume 2 has WWF's latest in your house but I am joined in this apparent Sunday Night War with a super brawling Norwich trolling likes to think he's funny and Jim Carnet owes him money it's none other than Chris he's hardcore lazy hello Chris Boy, Del, that's sort of an intro. How can I not be wonderful? The band is back together, Lacey. It's the Dream Team AAA's 1994 broadcast tandem of Lacey and Muir are back. How are we? I am absolutely wonderful. Smash. Uh, cards on the table up front, Lacey. That's pretty much nothing uh, notable in ECW this month. But as we're contracted to have a news bit, give me some headlines. I'll try and fill in some blanks, Lacey. So, the first bit that I have for you is Taz's latest shoot that was a work turned into a work shoot, brother. Um, mm, uh, aye, following on to the last month, Taz again just dragging this on. Apparently upset with comments made for Paul Farrowins, my name is the polar bear for UFC. Um, his name at least was mentioned again in this month's hardcore TV. It's a start. Um, it, it was still come back to this finish situation that we spoke about last month that was dragged up. Both parties didn't agree with the outcome. The, the only highlight in this for me was Saturn, um, aka Perry Satulo. He was talking about, um, Paul Farrowin's apparent black belt and trap fighting. Apparently that must mean if you get in a fight, you're trapped. That was pretty much the only positive of this. Give me another headline, Lacey. We'll try and get some news out of this yet. Tyler Fullington. The junior MVP of the house show circuit. Oh, struggling. Um, Taylor Fillington, Sandman's son, spoke about him last month when we were on with Rory McNamara. He's uh, the son of the Sandman who I thought was nine-year-old last month. Lacey, I don't know if you picked up on it, Hardcore TV last month. Apparently he's six-year-old now. Um, I, I thought he was basically they're still involving him in the angle. It's had a bit of bad press. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere quickly, but God love him, he's even been getting in and Kane and his dad. Uh, Raven's still the world champion. Uh, that's pretty much that. So, ECW, extreme comedy wrestling? <laughs> um, aye, ECW's never really wanted to kind of shy away from jumping the shark whenever they can, unlike the, uh, the big two nationals. This month we've seen Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan fighting in our bathroom. ECW on the white, let this one slide. They'd done the same thing, and unlucky young lady, she was caught short in the action. Um, they also did a rib on the, the Shawn Michaels and Davy Boy Smith double pin finish. Again, they're never one to shy away from mopping the big two, and this month's no different. So, now we have some sort of proper news. Actual news, Lacey, actual news. Attendance records broken. 
twice. Not once, but twice. Um, spoke about it briefly last month. ECW is putting some new bleachers into the ECW arena. They, they drew a record number. It was them um, beaten at Heat Wave, which we're going to review later in the show. Um, as always, we ECW estimates are always pretty ropey, but we are estimating them between about 12 and 1700. Uh, the tapes do show noticeable differences for previous crowds. The walking brawls as if they weren't the hazardous enough are now even more so. Apparently there's, kind of lucky if you're even getting walking room in the arena, but it does make it look a bit bigger and it just kind of emphasises that big fish in a small pond. Um, Ed Nails Lacey? Last but no more means least, we've had four returns and a sacking, sort of. I know, aye. Uh, one star that did return this month, a big bit of a return by no means unphysical, is the, the sizeable frame in 911. Uh, Paulie's former henchman, Returned at the, at the heatwave show, he chokeslammed Taz after Bill Alphonse would try to sack Joey Styles. Where the authority comes from, I don't quite know, but elsewhere there were debuts for Louis Bacoli and Tarzan Goto. Uh, Goto's coming over from Japan, he wrestles with IWA, he's part of a talent exchange, it's apparent that ECW is going to be running two shows in August 10th and 11th. Um, I think it's Yokohama and Tokyo. That they're going to be in, and the biggest of all big news, Lacey, is if nine one was was a business uh, big enough draw. We also have the return of the giant, five foot four inch Paul Laurier. The giant has returned back, man. Keep your WCW giant. Keep nine one one. Paul Laurier is back on TV. A father gives up a lifetime of chasing women, of fast cars of unwarranted hedonism in order to bring a child onto this earth. A mother spends nine months with a baby in her womb, a fetus giving up cigarettes, alcohol, giving it all her attention just to bring this child onto the earth. And then for 18 years, 18 long years, they spend raising this child, catering to every whim, giving it every single thing at once, whether it be nursing, schooling, educational help, it doesn't matter, suffering at every turn and gladly, because they'll do anything to make sure this child is raised properly and correctly. And isn't it kind of funny that yet they turn to me for their salvation, for absolution, for benediction. You see, the torturous parenting that you gave them, the childlike lessons that you tried to instill meant nothing. Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Shannon Hoon, even Kurt Cobain couldn't deliver these children from the torment, from the pain, the anguish, the suffering that they've spent an entire lifetime coming to grips with. You see, the mind that controls the children is the mind that holds the future. <laughs> and 
am their salvation. Quote to Raven, nevermore. <laughs> You see, I control the children! Or at least Sandman's. Fire on TV reviews, Lacey. Start off July 2nd, ECW. It's pretty much a no event. This month is really just showing highlights before Heatwave come back to June. Highlights after Heatwave of Heatwave itself, but we'll fire through them as quick as we can. Um, July 2nd show opens up with a Raven promo. Pretty much aimed at the Sandman and Peaches of Jim and Laurie Fullington together at the full shoot treatment. Um, he talks about the parent of a child and also subtle aim at his plans for young Tyler Fullington. Uh, we get Joey Styles welcoming us in a sombre tone talking about Raven's apparent possession of Sandman's son. Make it out what you will. Um, we got highlights of last month's match with Terry Gordy, bam, bam, for the free birds. Um, we get the end of the angle with Raven and Sandman or Peaches and Tyler um, and the, the months um, raging the cage, building up to that. We get a recap of June's TV title match between Chris Jericho and Pitbull 2. Um, Styles then builds up to Heatwave. We've got a four corners match for the TV title. That's going to be between Jericho and Pitbull 2. Also adding in franchise Shane Douglas and two called Scorpio. Um, Styles goes over the summer and battle be almost supremacy amongst the Dudley clan about um, Devon and Big Dick Dudley. The main event sees primetime Brian Lee and Tommy Dreamer's weapons match with the beat down of Tommy by the Bruise Brothers. That's after Beulah and Kimona help Dreamer pick up the win. And the closing shot is Brian Lee giving Tommy the primetime slam or at least choke slam from the Eagles' nest through two tables. Moving on, we've got June 9th, um, almost to kind of go home before the, the heat wave event. Again, we opened up with Aftermath last week, showing Tommy backstage, he's getting put in an ambulance. Fans getting him around the applause, ECW chants all round. Joey then puts in his final hawk for tickets for the Saturday night show, breaks down the rules to the main event. Chances are we're going to come back to that because I'm still confused about what the actual rules were, so I'll let Joey explain that when we come here. Um, Styles introduces Tommy Dreamer. He guarantees a new level of extreme for Brian Lee come the main event. And Joey tells us how the gangsters are possibly the most popular team in ECW history, which at first sounds ridiculous at best, but see if you think about it. It possibly is quite true. Um, honourable shout, obviously, to Johnny and Rocco now in WCW. Um, but we see the, the breakdown of last month's New Jack, Mustafa, Eliminator, Samoans, Harrises. That'll boil over in a couple of weeks time again. We'll come in after the, after the main show. And we re-air the Sabu and Rob Van Damme match with Hardcore Homecoming. The end shows are a promo package we have for the breakdown. The, the bouts at Heatwave, Stevie Richards is ever just showing his unrivaled comedy chops with a, a blessed foil of Todd Gordon. And next up is going to be Hardcore Heatwave. This is mine. And they always said that the franchise wasn't hardcore enough. They always said that the franchise couldn't get into the ECW and do it hardcore style and get extreme. Franchise, we gotta get you to the hospital, man. But you know something, people? 
You can bust me from ear to ear. I can bleed all the blood, sweat all the sweat, and I can cry all the tears. But Pitbull, let me tell you something. Right, we gotta get you. You've drawn first blood. You just wait one second. You've drawn first blood. And the way I see it, Pitbull, where you make the first call with blood, I make the second right, call with right, blood. Medic, Chris Jericho, you've got something I want. Something that belongs to me and son that puts you in an unenviable position. Four corners match. Anybody can be tagged in. Pitbull, you've drawn first blood. Jericho, you've got my gold. Too cold, Scorpio, I'm non-factor. I want that which rightfully mine. Man, Charlie, I get you in the hospital. You need to get 20 stitches, man. You just go ahead and you call the hospital and you tell them that the franchise is coming. All right. I don't plan on standing behind any welfare recipient, any piece of homeless person. I'm not homeless. I'm not a welfare recipient. I've got insurance. I get paid damn well for what I do. Pitbull, these stitches in my head are going to remind me every single one that they put that needle through 15, 20, 25 times. Every single time they stick that needle into my flesh, I'm going to think of you, and I'm going to make you pay, Pitbull. I'm going to make you pay, Anthony. You got it, son? It's a shoot now, and now it's all for blood and gold. So, Heatwave 96 opened with the gangsters going against the Samoan Gangster Party, that ending in a no contest. Mikey Whitbrook defeated the returning giant, Paul Laurier. The Eliminators beat Sabu and Mikey Whitbrook in an impromptu tag team match for the ECW tag team titles. The Dudley Boys, Bubba and Big Dick, fought the FBI and beat them in six minutes. Tarzan Goto defeated Axel Rotten. Shane Douglas defeated TV champion Chris Jericho, Two Cold Scorpio, and Pitbull number two in a four corners elimination match to win the new ECW TV title. Sabu defeated Louis P- Spicoli, even. And in your main event of the evening, Sandman, Terry Gordy, and Tommy Dreamer defeated Raven, Brian Lee, and Stevie Richards. In a cage match. Thank you very much, Lazy. Thoughts on the show? Have you missed ECW with the janky they offer? Well, obviously, seeing most of it this year, I sort of only have taken off like one month away from it. Um, I was like, let's see what they've got. It's been a good run so far. You know, some very, very good shows. This one wasn't so much. Oh, Lazy, don't disappoint us. It's all the matches other than the four corner match, which is an absolute beast, were all really short and all just sort of mm. fleeted out this month. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. We'll come on to it as we talk about it. I actually thought it was pretty decent. Um again I don't know if I'm on the Kool-Aid that I was on last month, I thought there was some pretty decent fights and obviously there is that almost taking up like a third of the tape with the the title match for the for the the TV with the four corner elimination. Obviously you've got four guys in it that could arguably have been maybe split up into a couple of different kind of singles matches. You're gonna get a lot of time in it, but I thought they did well. Um, anyway we we hang about starting on Mule Mark with it, the Samoan gangster party, they come out to the ring, they're set up to go up against New Jack Mustafa, the uh, Samoans Morty gangsters and Dre and Ice Cube hits, out come New Jack Mustafa. Uh, the gangsters hit the ring with the trash cans, four of them pretty much go at it straight away. Uh, New Jack works over smooth inside, Mustafa takes silk to the outside, 
New Jack caught up smooth before they beat both of them down with chairs. Canes, road signs, welcome ECW. Uh, Jim Molino asked Mustafa to finish it as it's a pretty bloodthirsty start. Um, New Jack drags Sam and Silk through the crowd. Jack gets back, bites Silk ringside right in the chest with his teeth. Uh, the referees clear the Samoans for the ring and New Jack takes a mic calling for a fourth corner tag match with the Eliminators of Bruce Bros and Samoans. I think that's pretty much it, Lacey. I think they've put this in the record books as an old contest. I believe it was clear that the, the Samoans couldn't continue with the referees, but it was a pretty blistering start, would you think? It was your standard gangster's fodder. Mm. They come down, they batter people with whatever they bring with them. Um, the finish of it, just sort of the Samoans walking away and it being a no contest, was a little bit weak <laughs> compared to what we've seen from... You know, especially in sort of recent times, especially for an opener as well. Mm. The openers normally do Stuff get a definitive. Fight, yeah. Um, but you know, for what what we expect from the gangsters, we got it. Violence. Very much. I fall a little bit cut off rather soon. Uh, blood feuds ending where I know contest shows hope that there might be something left in this and the gas in the tank, but. As you say, better week finish. Um, back to, back to the ringside. As ever, the ECW home video was pretty much sharp cuts between matches. We cut to Damien Kane and Lacey, you're an 80s wrestling fan. I thought he was just in his best gorgeous Jimmy Garvin get up completely with his own homemade precious. He was very much sort <laughs> of channeling mm. gorgeous Jimmy Garvin and, you know, sort of just just there with the essence of 80s in the middle of the 90s. <laughs> they knew you were coming, man. They knew you were coming. <laughs> um, so I, after failing to beat Mikey previously, um, gorgeous Jimmy, or to give him his proper moniker, Damien Kane, he's got another opponent for Mikey. It's none other than the aforementioned giant Paul, five foot four, Loria. Uh, so we get the second match of the night. It's Mikey going up against Paul Loria. Mikey takes the giant to the outside. Loria gets one up, Mikey, but he crotches Laurie on the top. And uh, we've got a win, Lacey, 132, I believe it was officially announced that, but that was that. It pretty much was a, a nothing squash. Um, mm. Especially when you think back, what, a year or so ago when we had that run of these two having... These two were starting to go at it, yeah. Really quite competitive 15, 20-minute matches. Yeah. For it literally to be over in a minute and a bit. Is, uh... Although there was a nice call for Joey Styles at the end of it, but fuck man, Gloria started this match 5-4, he might be 4-9 then. <laughs> Again. Very well, true. Nuggets like that, just make ECW is what it is. Um, straight after this, we get the Eliminators hitting the ring. They nail Gloria, as we said, with the total elimination, making him now apparently 4 foot 9, which could almost be believed. Um, Saturn accepts New Jack's earlier four-way invite. Cronus launches Mikey over the top. Saturn twice calls of the, the tag belts. Has wee bit of an underlying story here, Lacey. I think we'll probably come on to that a wee bit more later in the show. But Saturn calls it the tag belts his and then corrects it to ours. Um, says Mikey should go up against these, uh, go get his idol, Sabu. Give them a match. And as you alluded to in the results, we've got a, an impromptu match. We've got Sabu, uh, Sabu coming out for the back. And it's on. Uh, we get Sabu and Mikey going up against the Eliminators. Saturn and Cronus dodging the the jump to rings. The, 
the pussies from the crowd. Um, Saturn accepts the match, as I say, and for the titles. But in one strict condition, it is a traditional tag match. Bobby Bamba would be proud. One man per team in the ring at a time. Actual tags and all. Rules uh, in ECW? Rules. It's unheard of. Rules. It happens on occasion. I'm not a fan, but it does break out. We do actually have a tag match. Uh, Sabu walks over Saturn's knee. Perry grabs the rope. Some shots to the champion. Get him down. Um, a springboard sent on. Uh, Saturn nails a thrust kick, then a shot to the neck. Sabu's out in his neck brace, so he stays down. Um, there is a lovely top rope splash. We have about three or four seconds of hang time for the for the eliminator. He then tags in Cronus. Um, Sabu gets hit with a kind of an acrobatic corner elbow. Mikey tags in, turns the tide a bit. We got a double arm drags to both eliminators, and Sabu splashes the pair of them, but it only gets a two count. Uh, Mikey arm bars Cronus. Sabu then bulldogs Cronus off Mikey's back instead of a chair. Got to do what you can, I suppose, there is a budget. Uh, Saturn hits a brain buster, but the referee ushers out Sabu. Um, we get a Savat kick to Mikey for a long two. Eliminators hit with a, almost a modified doomsday device. Um, Sabu's interference gets cut off, but they're a big German suplex with Saturn. Dropkick launches Sabu for the apron and the crowd rally behind everyone's favourite underdog, Mikey Whitbreak. Uh, we got a superplex reversal for Mikey. He goes for a Frankensteiner but he gets turned into a powerbomb. Sabu finally manages to get the tag. Um, he gets a chair in, goes for the air Sabu, but he quote-unquote fucks up, to quote the fairly faithful. Uh, Saturn regains control. A stunning springboard hurricanrana for the for the top row for Sabu to Saturn. He gets the, the Arabian powerbomb. He, um, I think it's a sunset flap over Saturn to the outside, drives him onto the concrete, but back in the ring, Cronus hits Sabu through the table on the outside. Total elimination to Mikey Whitbreak and the champs retain. Lacey, I loved this. I thought this was actually pretty good. This was really, really good, sort of back and forth. Yeah. You know, having it actually have some rules helped this match. Because mm. if it had just been your standard tornado tag fair, I think it may have just sort of been lost in everything else in this show. Very much. Whereas with it being proper tags, only two people in the ring at a time, Sabu still does Sabu shit. Yes. He's still going to bring the chair and he's still going to use the chair. He's still, people are still going through tables. But it's easier to follow than when it's tornado and there's shit going on everywhere, which we'll go to a lot later with yes. other matches. It was it was a novelty to be able to follow the carnage. You can actually watch it and you see, oh, he's in the ring. Oh, and he's fighting him. Oh, and the two are waiting. They're actually getting tanky. It made sense and it worked, please. It worked. I know. And on top of that, Mikey and Sabu could be a good tag team if they put them together. I'd, well, I'd quite like to see a, a sort of run of them two together. I mean, we've seen it before. Mikey and Cactus kind of come out of nowhere. Cactus taking him under his wing. Sabu don't talk. Mikey, Mikey's got the fans behind him. It's got, it's got potential, man. If we're never going to get to this, if we're never going to get to this Sabu and Taz match, if we're never going to get to this, it must come at some point. ECW pay per view. It's something that's going to get the crowds. They love the pair of them. It makes sense. As I say, it does flash back to, to Cactus and Mikey in '94. But as you say, it, it could work. Um, 
I say it wasn't a, it wasn't a world beater by any means, but anytime you get Sabu in the ring, you're going to see shit you don't see anywhere else. Mikey's really, really come on. I said it last month, if you look back to maybe 18 months, two years ago, he's just a different beast. Um, he's, he's, well, I suppose we said that he was never going to be a world champion. He sure does. But he has kind of getting in some offense. He's showing some potential. He's came on for just kind of jumping about the ring pre-shows and kind of setting up the ring and then doing moonsaults. He's, he's coming into a man. He's on it almost as if we're kind of watching this. This boy grew up. Um, as you say, any any time we get the two of these together, it might have might have some chops in the next couple of months. Um, but next up, after the impromptu tag, we've got my favourite act, um, Little Guido. He passes Bob Ortiz a, a written introduction, and we get the debut Lacey of the Italian karaoke bistro, starring none other than old Blue Eyes, JT Smith. Another singing voice. See, I, I was so excited about this, and then I don't think we actually got an Italian karaoke bistro. We didn't. I was, but, I was waiting to hear the singing mm, voice come out of him. I was so excited, and then it just kind of let it go. Maybe next month. Maybe next month. It's all blur. Is oh, I was a Freudian slip. It's all brown eyes. JT Smith. You can never go wrong. And um, we then get Big Sal, the apparent uncle of the full blooded Italians. Big Sal Belomo. He brings it. JT Smith takes the mic. Guido. <laughs> he gets bilingual and bisexual mixed up. Um, JT tries to calm the crowd, and they're getting a wee bit rowdy. Little Guido says they're just too many damn Dudleys. So he brings out his little brother. Ironically, it's Big Guido, who's easily seven feet tall. Um, the Deliverance banjos hit. We get Bubba coming out leading the, the Dudleys. Um, he's wearing a very nice fuck you Devon headband and, uh, Big Dick coming up the rear. Um, fire on, we've got another actual tag match. We've got the Dudley brothers and it's going to be Big Dick and Bubba at least for now, going up against Little Guido and JT Smith. Um, when they hear a, a chant coming for the Eagles Nest, it's none other than the Black Sheep in the Dudley clan. Devon calls it this bullshit for Big Dick. He says he's trying to take his fucking family and he'll kick Dick's ass and the rest of the brothers can kiss Devon's. Uh, Big Dick goes after Devon, dances with then takes his place in the match. Little Guido gets a couple of shots in before Big Guido slams the the moccasins off D.W. Dudley. Um, Dick gets back in. Devon's fled, but Bubba tries to pile drive Big Guido. His big brother blocks it, and uh, Bubba takes a power bomb. Sal tries to cheer Big Dick. Obviously, it gets no sold, and he gets Big Guido up before the FBI beat him down. Um, Devon takes to the plate with a chair, as usual. Levels out sign guy with a chair. Levels Chubby with a chair. Levels D.W. with a chair. Bubba shows him the headband, the crowd get behind him, but just before he chairs him, Devon begs off Bubba to stop before hitting a low blow. The FBI still work over Big Dick. Out of nowhere we then get Shah. Hack Myers comes in, he gets Devon down, but the two of them back and square off. Um, Devon runs, Big Dick hits Big Guido with a powerbomb. And the match was still apparently going on during all of this. Gets one. Uh, Lacey Mary an angle than a match really, but what do you think? As I say, this was very much more about the internal mm. debates of the Dudley family than the Dudleys versus the FBI. Um, obviously, it's good to see that little Guido's little baby brother <laughs> is a fucking beast. Because they shoot up, don't they? 
whatever they were feeding him, they weren't feeding Little Guido. It's the colonies, man. The colonies just worked better for him than they did Big Val. <laughs> Big Val was just obviously eating the ones with too many grease in it. Aye. Big Guido was clearly just stripping the fat off the colonies. Though I am quite interested to see what's going to happen with the Dudleys. Very much. Because I have to say, they have become my favourite. Other than like the main events and you know, the the Ravens and Sandmans and, and Tommy Dreamer bits, having the Dudleys there as a sort of conglomerate of characters is is one of those very really intriguing things about ECW, which you know I always want to watch it to see what are they going to do with the Dudleys. See, it's so, I've spoken about this for months and months and it's like, we couldn't get this any more ridiculous than kind of Big Daddy Dudley walking about, kind of, he's just shagging about state to state, we get dances with, we get Big Dick, we get Chubby Sing Guy, Bubba comes out, he showed the back storytelling last month, we've been able to finally say his name, we've then got Devon who is almost literally the black sheep of the family. And as you say, it does make sense. We, we did kind of wonder a wee bit if it's just maybe leading to a, a Devon Big Dick fight, which I don't think would maybe be the best outcome, but it is something that does definitely need to get get attention, even if it's just short-term, it leads to something else bigger. But as you say, as an act, there, there's nothing else you're going to see like them. You're, you're not going to see six guys coming out and tie-dye. You're not going to see six apparent brothers more dissimilar in any way, whether it comes to accents or accents or skin tone. Um, Big Dick is just a beast. He's kind of almost kind of rose a wee bit in the absence of 911. Um, he is the big guy. You're then getting this Guido coming in. Big Guido as opposed to little Guido. The FBI's got their own kind of story. The Dudleys have got their own. As I say, it was more of a, a, an angle than a match. But as you say, it's just a captivating story and there are a couple of different kind of threads to this that could easily get easily get told because um, obviously with the with Devon he could come in with some other brothers you know and sort of fill out watch his it. side and have Devon Dudleys versus Bubba's Dudleys yeah. gang warfare of the family totally and it's got money on it they're a very strange setup, but as I say, they, they've got some. They're just captivating to watch. Whether it's Bubba kind of getting the better of his stutter, whether it's Devon and Big Dick, I just hope we don't see Devon too much with a steel chair because you just worry about the injuries in the back of it. But as I say, I'm all in on it. I think it's a good angle, good story. They've got a good family. Let's just see where it goes. Um, next up, again, another hard cut. We've got Axel Rotten again hailing for Newcastle, England. Um, why I, um, Axel sit to the ring. His opponent imported for Japan's FMW is Tarzan Goto. Uh, Goto goes for the legs to start. Big guy. Axel backs him off before starting to run his mouth. They swap body charges, but Goto gets some back body drop. Axel hits a heel kick. They trade bombs. Um, Rotten gets tied into the ropes and then thrown to the ring side. Well, you see, I've got a note at this point. It's maybe not the best start to the show. Kind of three matches in. Not every match needs a fucking ringside brawl, but... I was going to say, there's walking brawls everywhere tonight. It's just that you get in the ring, couple of shots, goes to the outside, have a brawl. It's just paint the numbers, but he did actually impress me, Axel. They they have a steel chair sword fight in the outside, a spot that we would see again later in the month. 
but Rotten gets thrown onto a table. Disney managed to break it. Again, they troll through the cloud, uh, troll through the crowd. They show off the new bleachers. After a brief hiatus, the T's coming back into the ring. Goto gets a, a chair beaten to an axle. Lacey, this was fucking savage looking, man. The chair ended up in bits. Well, this is clearly, um, strong style. Um, yeah. This this Goto lad has has not does not come to fuck about. He is not there to play. Well, and it was, was the backdrop they did afterwards. Yeah, it was it was pretty. Uh, we got a lax cover after that. Only gets a two. Axel gets a new chair. Tries to get even. Rotten then gets chances as he as he really runs and. Runs and bumps for Goto. Um, DDT, the chair gets reversed. Goto hits a brain buster. Hits him to the steel chair. Gets the win. Lacey, the, the thing I took for this is I was actually genuinely impressed by Axel Rotten. I've got a soft spot for Axel Rotten. I think the, the blood feud with Ian was a bit of a kind of backward step, the way that they rushed into it and the way that they then done it every week for about two months. But it's very rare that I see Axel Rotten actually showing kind of almost athleticism in a match. I think he was pretty much forced to when you've got Tarzan Goto in the ring, but he was doing heel kicks, he was doing a lot of running, a lot of bumping, and it just helped get Goto over, I thought. The thing with this is, clearly, it shows that Rotten has more to him Mm. than Taipei death matches and C4 matches and hitting or being hit with a chair. You know, he can work. He can put on a match. And the thing with, obviously, Goto is he very much is that Japanese style of everything is snug, to the say the least. (laughs) And obviously, it's like when he hits that brain buster at the end, if he, if Ron's head didn't hit the chair, I'd be impressed because it looked like he was absolutely levered on that chair on that brain buster. Pretty much. Pretty much. And I see that bat in the middle with a steel chair, man, it's like, you, you believe it. I don't even want to, you don't even need to suspend your disbelief with this, this match, man, it's just brutal. Um, as you see, Axel's got made him than Taipei death match. You see the Ian, the Ian thing was a bit of a kind of black mark and a red mark with all the blood that was splattered in it with the kind of glass-covered fists. But as you see, Axel's, Axel's got some chops, man. He's a worker. Um, he's, he's a good boy. Like the way that he was bumped about for Goto, he knows his place. And the, the roster, he's, he's never really going to be a poster boy unless it is in a, a land of misfit toys, as you like to call it, in Philadelphia. But... As I say, Axel really impressed me in this. Um, just to kind of show up with it, the ECW kind of continuity errors. Again, we spoke about earlier on with, with Tyler Fullington being nine last month, he's six this month. Tarzan Goto coming for, for IWA and then FMW. We get another lovely bit of inconsistency. 52 minutes in, Lacey. We get introduced by Joey Styles. Welcome to, welcome to Heatwave 1996. Yeah, fucks. Um, Styles brings out Taz, he's got Fonzie with him, he's got Team Taz with him, Alfonso just lapping up the booze. Um, Styles says that the polar bear is back on ice, referring to his last opponent, Paul Varowins. Um, Taz runs down his chokeouts in the last kind of, few weeks and months and years. He's done it to Bam Bam Bigelow for the WWF, he's done it to the 
to the Power Ranger Devin Storm for WCW. And he's done it, as we say, last month to UFC's Paul Farrowins. The crowd screamed, fuck you, at Taz. He says he loves him too. A little bit of sarcasm there. Um, Fonzie calls himself and Taz superstars. He declares that his first order of business is to sack Joey Styles. Joey stands up to Fonzie. Taz calls him a motherfucker and he takes the sack quite happily. Uh, Fonzie announces that his new personal commentator, everybody's favourite insolent prick, tuxedo clad Joe Gertner. Um, he compares Styles to Vince McMahon in the WWF only in a commentating position because he's got power. Eric Bischoff in WCW only got authority and then that's why he's commentating. Joey doesn't have that. Um, he reluctantly shakes Gertner's hand again after forced by Taz. Taz then gets his formal introduction by Joel Gertner. Um, he calls out the Sandman for being a crying drunk. The crowd start to berate him. He says if Tyler was his kid and it was his kid that had betrayed him, he'd be taking him down the basement and beating some respect into him. Taz then starts on Tommy Dreamer and his two quote-unquote lesbian slut rat wives. And then Lacey, who's back? Dial it up. 911. Um, the, the big man is here. He's back. Gertner very much gives a subdued introduction. Um, the independent wrestler extraordinaire. 911 is here. Um, Gertner then gets chokeslammed out his slap-ons. Taz gets the same and the crowd just go ape shit at this. Taz ends up getting up. He Germans 911 before locking in a choke. The big man's out as the officials run the ring. A wee bit of a subdued end to this, Lacey, because the crowd popped like fuck for 911. They've not been able to chant his name for months now. I did like this. I think it built up Taz. Fonzie in the ring. He's actually started whistling to drown out the booze now. Again, I thought it was really good. Um, what do you think about this? More so the 911 return, but what do you think of the angle itself? See, the, the whole Fonzie berating Joey bit was it? It was it was sort of ECW by numbers a bit, really. It was sort of we oh look, here he is. He's going to sort of badmouth someone, get heat. Taz is going to be quiet and sort of be there as sort of the the person to enforce what Fonzie's saying. Um, I quite enjoyed Joel Gertner. I I could see that you know there could be something with him. Um, Don't even one... attempt that, please. <laughs> Well, you know, we could, we could be a second announcer, maybe an interviewer. Could be something there for him. He's a prick. <laughs> but so is, so is Alfonso. We still want him about. That was a fucking well-played card, Lacey. Hats um, off, my friend. 911 came out. Mega pop. And I think the thing that helps this the most is how Taz no-selled the joke slam. Yeah. Because literally within seconds of one turning round, Taz is already on his feet and taking him down. It makes Taz look super impressive. Because if you think the amount of people when 911 was Paulie's enforcer, that slam for it now to, for Taz to completely know something be straight up afterwards. Just puts him in his, in his own little sort of echelon of people that don't take no shit. And it just made sense as well. I mean, how, how fucking diluted did the Paul Varro and stuff get last month? 
we spoke about mm. it at the start of this month. They come out, they try to bring in these guys, which in paper makes absolute sense for Taz. You get him in the ring with a fighter, it then just turned to shit when there was the fall. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? Is it a work? Shoot? Is it a shoot? Is it a work? It just didn't work. And there's no, there's no follow up on it. Varowans gets his paycheck. He comes in, does his best to try and do the job. Didn't really work as we've now experienced. You just get a trusty hand in, man. I, they had issues with 911 and Paul E, as we all knew about and a couple of months ago when we were going through the, the news where, it just made sense. You, you bring in a guy, you know what you get. The pop at 911 quote was brilliant. The reaction that he got for the crowd, they've missed the big man. I've missed the big man. I think he's missed it as well. And then you get that image at the end of 911 choked out and it's like, fuck. Didn't see that coming. Mm. And it's looking out. I obviously seeing him do it to Bam Bam, seeing him, if he sort of grabbed hold of Ta, uh, Sabu or something like that and yes. doing it instant look at that, we know how hard these people are, but doing it to someone as big as 911 and with that sort of reputation that 911 enforcer I mean it works so so well So, next up meet and veg for the night do bear with me boys and girls, we've got the fourth corner match for the TV title Lionheart, Chris Jericho Two Cold Scorpio Pitbull number 2 and the franchise, Shane Douglas. Uh, Jericho's out first. Pretty decent reaction. Scorpio's out next, and the two of them stared down in the ring. Douglas comes out, light him up the atmosphere. He ends up sitting ringside to just watch Scorpio and Jericho. Ah, franchise, we love you. Um, Pitbull 2 gets the best reaction out of the four. Playing back to last month, just the build that they've done with that guy. They've actually made them into a bit of a star, which is no mean feat, considering, as I say, never a star. He's never actually even got a name. He's just got a number. Um, they've done well with him. But as soon as he's out, he gets cheered and cut to fuck by Shane Douglas. Scorpio and Jericho start off pretty fast. Scorpio gets launched out of the, the ring and the crowd chant for Lionheart. Franchise gets in. Him and Jericho slot down a wee bit, trading chops to various woo chants in direction to Ric Flair and the chops in ring. Um, Lionheart goes for a, a Lion Salt. He gets an early two. Pitbull 2 into loud cheers, but as soon as Douglas notices him, he runs to Scorpio for the tag. Pitbull plays a power game. Scorpio goes to the top, but Jericho crotches him. The two of them go to the top rope. Jericho nails a hurricanrana, but Douglas tags himself in. We get a heel kick for Scorpio, fast rights and left, pretty much days in franchise. The two get to the outside. Douglas eats a chair. At this point, he's covered in beer, covered in soda for the crowd. Uh, Scorpio throws him in, again gets a two count um, Douglas flees a, a tag down Pitbull 2 Tags Jericho into deal with him Pitbull again gets a two in Lionheart uh, Jericho gets whipped into the corner Fuck knows why, but he tries a leap over for the turnbuckle Pitbull never ran in, so it just ends up getting crowd chance of you fucked up uh, Scorpio tags in, gets a DDT for the champion Franchise again refuses to tag. Pitbull and Scorpio are in the ring. Um, top rope overhead suplex to two cold Scorpio. Douglas finally takes on the Pitbull. Couple of hip top reversals back and forth. They end up falling through the ropes to the outside. Jericho then gets up to the top, does a splash, lands in the two of them. Scorpio then gets up to the top, does a splash, lands in the three of them. ECW one upmanship. Um, franchise takes a time out with the chair in the ring. Pitbull comes in, ends up getting a bulldog to the steel. Francine then leads the crowd in Pitbull chance. Uh, Pitbull 2 
pretty much cleans Douglas's clock. Jericho hits a missile drop kick, but the pit bull breaks the fall. Pretty nice story starting to develop. Basically, everybody's trying to beat Douglas because he's a prick. And uh, they end up just getting in each other's way. They can never actually pin him. Um, Jericho slaps on the figure four. Again, more woo chance. Douglas falls back on his shoulders. A couple of near falls. Pitbull shouts it for the apron to break his leg. Second attempt at the figure of four gets blocked. Douglas tags in Scorpio. Jericho goes for the lying salt, but fuck me. Tuchel drop kicks him mid-leap to the back of the head. The entire bleachers are on their feet. Power bomb for Scorpio. Laps up the crowd. Fails to go for the cover. Drop kick for Jericho. Again, Douglas refuses the tag. Lionheart forces him. One shot to Scorpio. Douglas tags Jericho back in. Scorpio nails a tombstone. That's not enough. Jumps up the top. Goes for the tumbleweed. One, two, three. First elimination, Lacey. The champ is out. We're going to have a new champion. We are. Um, something I was going to bring up at the end, um, but I don't know if you would know. Is Jericho off or is he still being about? Because That was my concern as soon as he was first. I didn't know. That was the thing. With him being the first one gone, is is this him done? Wrestling logic would denote that. I have not read anything in the Observer yet. I have not read anything in the Torch yet. It was my concern, though. There wasn't really much mentioning later on in the month. Again, as ECW does, they just show highlights pretty much for the live event. We've seen that. But there was a minimal amount of fanfare, and especially being been out first, Hopefully not, because I was hoping to get the get the Jericho Douglas one on one for this title, maybe back and forward. If you put that in a card along with a, a Rob Van Dam and a Sabu, that's pretty much going to take your eyes off of the walking brawls throughout the rest of it. But, I'd also quite like to see Jericho and Two Cold go at it one on one. Yep. You can you can easily pair up any of these four. I mean, as I say, Pitbull two, they built for pretty much nothing. Obviously a bit forced with the the injury to Pitbull one. But two's done brilliant. Him and Jericho had a decent match last month. Title changed a couple of times in a couple of weeks out of nowhere. You can see him going with Scorpio. Scorpio and Douglas has been done before, but I would always go back to it. You've got Jericho and Douglas. It, it, it writes itself, pretty much. Uh, moving on, though. First elimination, we've got Lionheart out. Douglas tries to get Scorpio to team up with him against Pitbull 2. The fans beg him not to shake on the deal. Scorpio does, but instantly works over Douglas to good evasion. Um, Pitbull gets knocked off the apron for good measure. Scorpio locks in a submission to Douglas. Looks out at it, but Scorpio pulls out of the pinfall. How 80s. Um, Douglas rallies. Goes up top, but Scorpio nails a leaping sunset flip. He pulls in the Pitbull. Goes for a moonsault, but he misses. Douglas then hits a DDT and tells Pitbull to pin him. In a twist of fate, Douglas then sets up Scorpio for the super bomb from Pitbull 2, a la the Pitbulls, and we're then down to two. Lacey, this was a bit of a quick one, but give your thoughts on it just so I can rest my voice. Um, this was more sort of standard elimination match fodder. Um, you know, getting them up, giving them the one, one of the finishing moves or a combination of Two big moves, get it done, thank you very much, and out of the way. Um, obviously, going in with the rest of the story of this match, the Pitbull and Douglas working together is it's a bit strange. But, you know... That was your couple, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's again, it shows Scorpio as 
the sort of guy that he doesn't have to win matches to be useful. Yeah. Um, he, he very much can be the one that takes the fall, yet he'll still get his high flying shit in. Yeah. Hits a tombstone, hits a tumbleweed, he's over his rover, take a pen, it's not gonna kill him. Um, aye, pretty much. Move on. Get Douglas and Pitbull brawling on the inside, this office does into the one on one for the night. The fans offer chairs pretty much by the dozen. Pitbull high fives the cunt with a fucking straw hat. Um, franchise driven shoulder first into the post. Pitbull throws two chairs into the ring for good measure, sets them up, powerbomb to Douglas through the chairs. He's a fucking franchise man, he's taking powerbombs through chairs lately. That just looked vicious. If all the, you know, with, with the table, it breaks your fall slightly and sort of, you know, slows you going down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really thin wood, so it's probably not much different than going through just a normal super bomb, but bending two chairs. Yes. Obviously they say they're steel, but they are like thin aluminium, but yet still that shit is going to hurt. And it's like, fuck that. There is no, there is no way that doesn't. And God love him. He took it like a tripper, but as always, the fans chant ECW. That makes it all worthwhile. Oh, the, the, the pending hernias, the bruised internal organs. It's all worth it for that chant of three letters. E-C-W. Uh, Pitbull 2 then goes for a table because a power bomb for two chills, three years. Wouldn't it be enough? Um, Douglas crawls to the corner, tries to get away with it. The table then gets laid in the corner. Obviously no one told Pitbull 2 if you set up the weapon, you're going to get put through it. But Douglas reverses an Irish whip into the other corner. Belly to belly's Pitbull. Franchise then brings in Francine. Nicely over the top rope, showing off the pants. Um, lays in a lip lock. Pitbull 2 then knocks out the ref as he goes for franchise. But as Pitbull 2 power lifts franchise above his head, Francine then salts the eyes of Pitbull 2. Strips off his skirt, shows franchise underwear, and out of nowhere, we get another return legacy. Pitbull 1 is back. Comes in, takes out Douglas. The Pitbull set up the power bomb. And a table to the new Miss Douglas. Francine just gets fucking killed through the table. She lies face down ass up, as all the good ones do. Franchise DTT's Pitbull 1 goes for the win, but Pitbull 2 kicks out. Uh, Douglas takes the brass nuts for the tights. Again, Pitbull 2 kicks out. If it doesn't get ridiculous enough, Douglas then takes a chain for the boot. 1, 2, fucking kick out. Uh, Pitbull 2 goes for a spin kick horrible bump over the turnbuckle to the outside, Douglas gets him back in belly to belly, 1, 2, 3 we've got a new champion he gets the gold, he gets the crumpled knicker clad Francine carries both of them to the back Lacey talk for 5 minutes, save my voice <laughs> well let, let's first go on about the, the highlight of this final fall Francine's ass. Francine's getting fucking slammed for a table and ending up ass first. <laughs> what I did love about this was the care that the referees and everyone around her gave when moving her out of the way. They lived, you know, <laughs> as someone who has had a broken back and neck, 
just grabbing them by one of their limbs and pulling them. The best, because you know, if you want to give it realism, you'd say that she's broken her neck. EC dub, EC dub. <laughs> but you know, it's Man, ECW, so don't worry about that. It's fine. We'll just move her out of the way. Um, Pitbull two taking the multiple foreign object finishes mm. and still getting up is clearly there to go. I am a beast. You know, what, what's a better way to get over a beast is that you really have to kill him to keep him down. Obviously, I take it would have been the, the conglomeration of all of them that kept him down more than just a belly to belly because he took one of them earlier on and that didn't do the job. See, that's what got to me, man. It's the belly to belly, doesn't he get it done? He then knocks him, he then chains him. And it's the belly to belly. He's, he's no fucking Dr. Robotnik, man. <laughs> it's like, come on, fairy him. But. Bang him on the head three times and he'll go down. And uh, but it was the meat and veg, as I said at the start of the show. I think this went just over 40 minutes. It was a beast there, match. So let's see what you think overall. Overall, um, this was a really good elimination match. Um, the first fall went, Probably about twenty five minutes, but it did that long. It didn't. It wasn't like it dragged or anything. Yeah. Um, there was a good mix of action because of it being two in the ring at any one time. It worked. You get the combination of Jericho and Two Cold. Jericho with Douglas. Douglas in there with Two Cold. Pitbull trying to get hold of Douglas but not being able to. You know it. That first fall held enough of a story on its own that everything that happened afterwards could happen that as quickly as it did. Because obviously once that first fall went, I think the rest of the match, it's probably about 10 minutes for the whole of the rest of the match. So, you know, that initial bit means that once the first domino falls, it can have that sort of pace up and, and flow it works so well because it, it, I've seen it a few times with elimination matches where the first fall or maybe even the first two falls go really quickly. Yeah. The last fall drags on for ages. And this even happens in two out of three falls matches as well that it sort of breaks the storytelling. Whereas obviously the first fall being the longer one, you know, they're the fresher guys and obviously the latter falls going quicker because they're already knackered. Well, did I play up to my character, Lacey, and get in a cheeky wee plug? Everybody can go back and listen to the AAA when Worlds Collide event. The uh, the late art bar, the American love machine in Eddie Guerrero. Two to three falls, rapid first two, then it went to the third and it went longer. I thought that was a brilliant match, but this was done pretty much the opposite way. As you say, pretty much a, a kind of 20, 25 minute first fall. As we said at the start, you could maybe make the argument that there's a couple of singles matches in this. But I thought that the cogs in the machine worked. The, the bit at the end, I didn't see coming, which isn't, isn't always kind of the way in ECW. But they done well. The Francine turn was pretty well done. Where that goes, I don't quite know. It's nice to see the, the pit bulls back together. How long term that is, bear in mind the injury to Pitbull 1, I don't know. 
Plus, you've got a very, very stacked tag roster at the minute. Do the Pitbulls fit into that, especially the build that they've done in two last month? I don't know. But overall, I think it's safe to say match of the night, very well delivered. Two thumbs up. So, hard cut. we get Luis Bacoli in the ring. He's going up against Pablo Marquez and El Puerto Ricano in what's pretty much a glorified squash. Out comes Sabu, and we then get a scheduled match. Um, Luis Bacoli going up against Sabu. Bacoli starts with a beat down and Sabu is out in a neck brace. Kicks and clubs to the neck. Garner's chance of you fat fuck VCW clans. Um, Alex Cover gets a two. Another sees Sabu just managed to get his foot in the rope. Spicoli seems a bit stumped early on how he can beat Sabu, but the Arabian takes him to the outside, launching himself into an air Sabu plancher over the guardrail as he gets his second win. Back in ring, Sabu sets up the chair, leaps for the chair to the top rope, landing bang on Spicoli on the second row with a second chair shot just for good measure. Spicoli then gets draped over the ropes, Sabu misses where sent on his Joey Styles almost kind of almost poetically compares him to evil can evil. Um, Sabu again pulls out during the chewing chair spot as we've seen earlier on with Axel Rotten. He bests Bicoli, falls to the outside. Sabu bridges a table between the apron and the guardrail and then moonsaults from the top through it and Spicoli from a top. Sabu just Every fucking time we see him is just another step closer to death. How long he is going to last, I don't know. Um, a broken Spicoli gets his foot in the ropes as he gets put back in for the pin. A triple jump moonsault only gets a two. And Spicoli Germans with a lovely bridge for a two of his own. Uh, big man gets to the top. Sabu clocks him, goes for a springboard runner. But Spicoli holds the top rope. Sabu just crumples to the mat. Um, Sabu dodges a splash attempt. Spicoli dodges an Arabian face buster. Sabu tries to work the knees with a couple of low drop kicks, but Spicoli stomps him down. Sabu launches a chair at the the top rope with Spicoli on the turnbuckle, lands a super DDT for the top, and then finishes him off with the face buster for the win. Lacey, I didn't expect much of this when I seen Spicoli at the start. Again, we've seen it earlier on where you could almost argue that Sabu gets lumbered with Mikey, but again... It, it doesn't need to be in the ring with Rob Van Dam. I thought this was a surprisingly decent match, considering. It was, you know, it was one of those of obviously Sabu does Sabu shit, um, but as we've always with Sabu, he does something new. Hmm. That triple jump chair shot into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't want to be in the crowd for that because uh, he he does probably not give two fucks if he does hit someone in the crowd. Um, obviously my f- initial thought with this match was is this from the same night because Sabu mm. in his opener was in pink gear and now <laughs> he's in silver gear he's um, up on the professional you know c- consistency um, but obviously it was your standard sort of Sabu thing he does what Sabu always does and I don't know if it will get old but it's always fun to, you know, watch him triple jump through tables and backflip into things and just, you know, dive around holding a chair. Even if he shit does get old, man, let's just fucking hope and pray that Sabu finally gets up. Because 
I've got my doubts, man. Who do you think we'd get a better premium in life and sure and Sabu or Keith Richards? Because I wouldn't fucking touch either and we're a pole, man. Though, you know, Keith Richards has slowed it down a bit now. Sabu... Sabu is, looks the same fucking age as Keith Richards, man. There is that. But, you know, the thing with Sabu, which I'd, I'd probably say that he'd I'd be harder to get... Is that he one-ups himself every time, so what's next? Does it not tell him, Sohom, though, that ECW is the land they one-upsmanship? We speak about it every month. Does it not tell Sabu, Sohom, that he's got to try and one-up himself, because no other fucker would even try and one-up him? See, it's... there's the thing is, there's, there's a one-upping in sort of walking brawls, like we've said before, and the violence section... I don't know if anyone... The only person that could, probably could do it but wouldn't is Too Cold. Because Too Cold has that athletic ability to do... He has done the bits and pieces. So. You know, he's the sort of guy that could do the sort of shit that Sabu does. But he wouldn't because, you know, he... He values life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. But as you say there, man, one-ups when shit, though, again... Just props to Joey Styles, man. The comparison to Evil can Evil is is like the only comparison you could make to Sabu. It pretty much is, you know, he has got a death wish or has zero fear. So time for the main. Bob Ortiz does the introductions. Styles does the rules. As I said earlier on, I'm going to let them break it down because I just got confused. And this Saturday night, it's Heat Wave 96 at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The main event, Rage of the Cage, six-man tag team action, sort of. Raven, Stevie Richards, and primetime Brian Lee against the Sandman, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and Tommy Dreamer. Raven and the Sandman start inside the cage. Gordy and Richards start atop the stage, battle their way to the floor. First man to hit the floor walks into the cage for two on one. Prime time and Tommy Dreamer falls count anywhere, and I mean anywhere in the city of Philadelphia. The stipulations, if Richards gets beat during the course of this matchup, Raven loses the World Heavyweight title. Richards defending Raven's World Heavyweight title belt, but it's about more than just the belt. So, start of the match, Raven tries to get in Sandman's head. He offers Tyler's return to the Sandman if he's spared. Um, and then we start off with the main. It's going to be Sandman, Bam Bam Gordy, and Tommy Dreamer going up against Raven, Stevie Richards, and primetime Brian Lee. Raven canes in the Sandman at the start, locks in a figure four onto the Sandman's new knee. Leonard Skinner attacks and out comes Bam Bam and goes straight for Stevie Richards up the Eagles' nest. Gordy and Stevie go at it up there. Uh, Richards is pretty much bust open to fuck already. Um, the two go kind of pretty much touring the crowd. Brian Lee gets his hands on Bam Bam. Tommy Dreamer then makes his way out, absolutely buzzing, goes for Brian Lee. Supernova and Blue Dust get trash canned for trying to interfere. Tommy takes Brian Lee up to the up through the new bleachers. We cut back to in ring. Gordy throws the, the champ repeatedly into the cage. Richards climbs over and misses a splash for the top of the cage. Um, Bam Bam then works over Stevie. We see Dreamer nail Brian Lee with the door at ringside. Raven goes for Bam Bam but gets a pile driver. 
um, pretty much worryingly due to the cage. You can actually make out the crowd brawls easier than the in-ring, but I'll try my best. Um, Brian Lee suplexes Tommy to the door that they've got for the crowd. Um, Richards twice hits Gordy with a super kick, but Pam Bam stands tall. Uh, Raven and Sandman sit gassed in the corners. Brian Lee tries to get in, hits by Gordy. Um, the two horses just go to the outside. Raven and Richards get the better of Sandman in the cage. Gordy and Dreamer stream up on prime time. Tommy gets into the cage, kicks Stevie, Kane's Raven, Buah and Kimona then pass Tommy handcuffs. Well, if they're good enough for Buah and Kimona in the bedroom, they're good enough for this. <laughs> uh, 1995's Heatwave comes back to mind. Raven gets cuffed to the cage in a, an almost kind of cross stance. Um, Sandman grabs the cane just before to, um, Tyler comes in, he blocks the champion, does the raven pose, avoids the crucifixion, and Tommy Dreamer and Sandman square off as Tommy apparently doesn't see any issues with just Kane and Tyler. Uh, behind their eyes, Supernova cuts Raven free for the cage. Sandman and Dreamer go to the ground. Raven gets DDT'd, and both Dreamer and Sa- um, Dreamer and Sandman only get a two. Um, outside the ring, Raven's flock stack three tables. That's three atop each other. Dreamer and Brian Lee trade blows at the top of the cage. But before Tommy manages to get his bearings, night night again, Tommy boy, Lee hits the prime time slam through the tables to holy shit chance. Uh, Brian Lee comes down to assess the damage, but Missy Hyatt comes out, lip locks him. During the distraction, Sandman gets the pin and Raven. But as Stevie survived, he retains the title. Uh, post-match, Bam Bam Gordy and Brian Lee swap bombs. We fade to black with Tommy, again getting checked by the doctors. And Bam Bam, again, steals the spotlight due to the crowd's ovation. Lacey, I'm a wee bit kind of confused with the rules, even after hearing that for Joey Styles. But with the jinky, this is a main. It was overbooked mm. for the whole Bam Bam and Stevie starting in the eagle's nest. First one to the cage gets to go in. But if Stevie gets pinned, Raven loses his belt. Tommy and Brian Lee are starting somewhere else in the building. Technically, they're not meant to go into the cage, but officially there's nothing for them not to. Raven and Sandman in the cage. Technically, if they're in a cage, shouldn't there not be any interference? Mm. It's it's so much shit put into one bag and it really doesn't work. And again, with this type of match, as I said earlier, the camera crew can't keep up with it and you lose so much. Um, there's moments in this match where they say something happened. Duh. We didn't see it. <laughs> so, you know, if a tree falls in the wood and no one's there, did it fall? You you just don't know, because obviously we didn't see it. It wasn't shown because the cameras can't keep up with what's going on. Um, for such a pointless match, Tommy taking that mega chokeslam through the three tables is extreme. Because is anyone actually going to remember that? In, in the grand scheme of this event, or is it all going to just be sort of lost in the cluster that was the main event that really didn't 
do anything for anyone except probably fuck Tommy's back up a bit. And Beulah and Kimona are doing a good set of handcuffs. It's like, there's no winners in this. Um, I pretty much agree, man. To be honest, I, I, I kind of said almost chokingly in the middle that it was genuinely easier to see the crowd brawls than it was the in-ring. That was genuine. Um, the, the overbooting of the full thing kind of put a bit of a sour note in it. Again, what was the what was the outcome of this? Does it build Sandman because he's pinned the champion? Does that mean he gets a title shot? Does it mean there's going to be kind of dissension even more than usual between Stevie and Raven? The girls getting involved in it, the flock getting involved with it. Is this the last time we're going to see Bam Bam Gordy? Tommy again, just not to the Sabu extent, but just kind of taking ridiculous bumps. And if it's ending like last month, if this is just going to be filling the last two minutes of the next hardcore TV, just look at this shit. And then starting the second hardcore TV, look at this shit. What does it, what does it do? Um, I don't know. Personally, I thought it was a wee bit of a damp, a damp end to the night. Um, Lacey, just thoughts overall on the show. That's pretty much the, the meat and veggie this show. But what was the thoughts overall? And if you could please, a score rating out of 10. Well, if it didn't have the 40 minute four way, I wouldn't say even go anywhere near this. But the 40 minute four way match is, is definitely a reason to watch. Obviously, you know, your Sabu stuff is Sabu, you know, it's standard Sabu fare. Obviously the Eliminators tag match first and then his singles match. So if you like watch it, seeing what Sabu does in the ring. And his wider of different pants. Aye. <laughs> then obviously it's worth a watch. Um, but other than that, it's pretty sort of meaningless as a show. Um, so other than those those three things, I can only really give it a five. I'm going to be a bit nicer. Um, there was some good things in it for me. Obviously, there is the, the TV title match, which, as you say, if you take that out, not just for a number point of view, you're going to be doing it about an hour, an hour and a half of a show without that. But just the athleticism and that, the, the four guys done their part. They've done really well. Um, I like that. I like the end as well with the the full Francine turn. I thought it was pretty innovative. Um, everybody kind of played up to their characters as well. You've got Pitbull 2 as a beast. You've got two cold that's in there that wants his belt back. As you say, I'm a bit worried maybe with the Lionheart situation. If I'm not going to see Jericho again, I only hope it's till we see him on a bigger stage because he could put on some good matches with ECW audiences, but he could also do it in a WWF, a WCW. I just hope he's not going to be going back to Japan or Mexico. Um, the four-way obviously was a match of the night, but as you see, you get Sabu doing Sabu shit, which is never a bad thing. Uh, old Brown Eyes didn't sing a song, so that's an automatic point off. Overall, though, I would, I would probably give it a seven, just purely for that match in the middle, plus a good couple of spots throughout it. It's not something that you're going to really miss too much if you don't catch it, but overall, I would go with a seven. I'm Joey Styles. You're watching Extreme Championship Wrestling, and the ramifications of what you have just seen will be felt here at ECW for a long time to come. 911, who for a year and a half 
was thought of by all the fans as the toughest man on the face of the earth. Six foot eight, 330 pounds of raw bone muscle. He chokeslammed some of the biggest clowns and the toughest guys in professional wrestling. He chokeslammed anyone who stood against him or stood against what ECW stands for until he met the human suplex machine Taz. And if 911 can't stop the one man crime spree, who can? Because Taz has choked out the likes of Bam Bam Bigelow, Bubba Ray Dudley, Dangerous Devin Storm, Nakagawa, Two Cold Scorpio, Lionheart Chris Jericho, Mikey Whitwreck, and Ultimate Fighter, the Polar Bear, Paul Barlins. Again, I pose the question, if 911 was unable to stop the one-man crime spree known as Taz, who can? Later on in this program, we'll show you a shocking turn of events that may answer the question, who can stop the path of rage? Welcome back to ECW. All the eyes of the wrestling world are focused on this weekend and the World Heavyweight Champion Ravens title defense against the Sandman this past weekend in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And after a live event showing couple of months, a uh, couple of weeks left in the month TV-wise. Again, ECW format, it is pretty much just highlight-driven, but there is a couple of things here and there. We'll run through it. Um, we start off just after Hardcore, um, just after Heatwave, sorry. We start July 16th, Hardcore TV. We get the, the recap with the full tag team situation with the gangsters, the Eliminators, the Harris Bros and the Simones. We get quick highlights of the the gangsters and the Samoans and then the, the Mikey and Paul Laurier match, then the Heatwave tag title match. Styles announces the next installment of the Van Damme Sabu saga. And we're then here for Devon Dudley, basically just try to defend his actions against his brothers. So his big dick is just trying to sweep the issues under the rug. He compares Dick to Madonna and he says he himself is more like a virgin innocent to the core. Um, we see thankfully short highlights for Another live event where we get Todd Gordon and Bill, and, uh, Bill Alfonso's Lumberjack match. Fonzie then cuts a promo building Taz being the hardest trainer in the world. And the gangsters cut a very strange promo, complete with nooses fixed around their necks, calling out Jimmy Carnett for Smoky Mountain and WWF fame, and saying that he's a closet racist and that he owes them money. Welcome to Smoky Mountain Championship Wrestling. Even though it didn't lag for four years, Jimmy Cornette you still owe me money. How does it feel to have an organization that ran five nights a week and didn't last but four years? Jimmy Cornette, you undercover racist? Stop him! You still owe me a hundred dollars. <laughs> and he need his money. You pimp. Pay the hoes. We need our money and we want it now. This was, uh, different. Hmm. <laughs> I thought the Phil Alfonso promo was a wee bit strange at the start, but it did go somewhere. The gangsters, I don't know, it was strange. 
Obviously, there's probably some history because uh, I do believe the gangster did work Smoky Mountain um, while it was very still... recently before the ECW debut last year as well. While it was still being run by, mm. that, but you know, there was a quote that came out for well, at least it's attributed to Jimmy Carnett last month, where I believe he's accused Mister Heyman, Polly of all people, apparently would rather climb the tree to tell a lie than stand in the ground and tell the truth. You can make what you believe of that. But I, I think that's pot kettle black. Perhaps. Perhaps. The Louisville slugger is perhaps not whiter than white, but when you mix them into a pot with a with a master Paulie and then you throw in the gangster just for a bit of salt and pepper, it's aye. Choose what choose your poison. Take what side you want it. I'm taking fuck all to do with it. Uh, moving on, we get July 23rd. Styles tries a, another kind of ECW fable of a watch shoot angle in response to last week's closing angle with the gangsters. He refers to the Simones by their family name, Hanoi, um, just to try and be more believable as if they, um, they may have been a bit more believable if they didn't use wrestling holds in an attack. Um, doing a brain bust at the concrete, pretty brutal, but Bearing in mind um, New Jack's involvement in pulling off that manoeuvre might have made the, the work shoot a wee bit more believable. Um, we got a quick promo for Raven. He's saying that all of the kids' happiness and joy, i.e. Tyler, has been transferred to him. And Laurie Fullington, as she is now known, not longer Miss Peaches. Laurie saying that she'll sacrifice anything for Raven. Uh, we got a full replay of the TV title Four Corners match. Again, as we said in the show review, pretty much a 40-minute match. Oddly, it's then followed immediately by a highlight package of the TV title Four Corners match. Um, who sees ECW phone in a five-week month? Um, cutting back to July 30th, last show of the month, we got a replay of the Taz Styles and 911 uh, bit for Heatwave. Styles builds up 911 in a video package and asks just who can stop Taz. Uh, we see a couple of bits of fan cam footage for Jim Thorpe. Um, Raven mocks Sandman who then runs the ring and gets beat down we get a replay of the the Lewis Bacoli re-debut in his match with Sabu um, another bit of fan cam footage we get the gangsters, the Samoans and the Harrises highlights again of Brian Lee choking at Terry Gordy with his own spike submission and Taz runs down who Tommy Dreamer's potential partner is going to be for the August 3rd live event talks about Terry Funk as an old piece of shit Talks about uh, Terry, um, Terry Gordy, Paul Varro and Sabu. Dreamer tells Taz that he's got the one man that he fears. But Taz says unlike Sabu, he will face his fears. Who is the opponent, Lacey? What do you think? Seeing the fact that it's DCW, it could literally be anyone. Because, <laughs> you know, anyone could just not turn up to a show because none of them are on contracts. But you'd you'd imagine how it's been set out that it's going to be Sabu. It's but then at the same time, isn't this the show that Sabu and RVD are having their stretcher match? That's what was putting me off that, because obviously Styles announced the next part of that. That then surely takes Sabu to that match, but he pulled double duty on Heatwave. Could he do it again? I don't know. Um, we could literally sit here and just throw names at it could well be a disappointment. It could well be brilliant. Dare I say the last time that Paul he was backed into a corner, he pulled out Rick Steiner. Now, so, now, if he pulls out either of the Steiner brothers, I'll be happy. 
that's just it. He's fine and you're easy. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with seeing the Steiner brothers lobbing people about. And then I see if you throw them into the same company, let's get fucking Devon, Babe Ruth, Dudley swinging chairs, Sabu doing Sabu shit, and Tommy Dreamer just collapsing from scaffolding anywhere across a building. Fuck knows what we would get if the Steiners come back in. But after that last review, July 30th, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. The only real discussion I've really got for you, Lacey, as I say, it's not really a big noteworthy month. It's actually something that you brought up earlier in the show. We were just pretty much going to wrap up, but I've got my boy on the I've got my boy in the podcast. We might as well talk. Um what do you think long term about this roster? Something that I'd done last month when I was back on with Rory is I look back to the same show for nineteen ninety five. It's very much a different roster if you include the likes of a public enemy, a cactus jack, a Terry Funk. This year we're seeing the likes of a, a Lionheart Chris Jericho getting eliminated first in a four-way. We're seeing the gangsters, which are pretty much realistically getting billed as the most popular tag team in the history of the company, which, as I say, at first sounds ridiculous, but in second thought, probably could be true. Where do you see this roster going full-time, especially when we've still not got an update when there's a, a pay-per-view? Who do you think that they can have big players for an ECW point? Who, again, would you say is maybe the big players for a for almost a free agent point of view as well. See, I have to look at the sort of top end of the card first and go, who's there that would likely be taken up by the big two? Um, Raven has history with both, because obviously he was Scotty Flamingo in WCW and... The glorious Johnny Polo. Yeah, so... Obviously, he has contacts and stuff there and was was there before. Would either of them take the Raven character? Who knows, you know, because it's a little bit culty. With, you know, Hulk Hogan family-friendly WCW and Vince's very, very family-friendly gimmicky characters... I don't see Raven as he is here, you know, manipulating people psychologically, going, working in Eba. Sort of, that also being said, Sabu, you can't see him going into Eba with his style. Sandman drinking and smoking would not work. Um, obviously, you would say that Shane Douglas would go again. But then we've seen what happened when he did, and he was completely unhappy. He was given a shitty gimmick. So I would imagine that Shane will stay. I don't think he'll want to take that experiment again. Um, Too Cold could probably go. Obviously, I know he had some time in WCW before, but he's one that definitely could, you know, fit in athletically with either of them. You know, you could put him up in WCW. They've got Benoit and from what I've sort of rumours of they're looking at lightweights and light heavyweights there. You know, you could blag his weight a bit and say that he's in sort of weight division. Um, Jericho, obviously, who knows what's going on with him. Um, but your staples, I think, that will definitely stay 
the ga- the gangsters. Dare I say, New Jack's not going any. Because you know, I don't think either of the national companies would want anything to do with New Jack, and I don't think the Dudleys would work or get anywhere near the level they are anywhere else. I mean, I mean, they'd be pretty safe to stay there as well. Um, it's the thing, depending on what the big two want to do and where they're going, it would depend on what sort of a people they'd go after. Um, the little I've seen of that art of RVD uh, changes style slightly, making him a little bit less using of weapons, but you know, that probably is just because he's in there with Sabu could sort of, you know, he's athletically good enough to go to either of the other two. You know, um, you'd say the Eliminators could quite easily sort of go into either fledgling tag team divisions and do well. What say you, Del? Who who would you sort of look at? For me, I think with the the two nationals, it's all about the look. Um, If you're looking at that from an aesthetic point of view, I think the two the two that's there were bullet for me are Rob Van Dam and Jericho. Whether it's going to be something that they would have the they can announce to do it. Obviously there's a full contract situation. We see W for pretty much everybody is fair game. Um it's a very interesting point. I say it was just purely a a, a kind of very selfish discussion point for me, just bearing in mind the point you brought up about Jericho, it does panic me a wee bit that he was first eliminated but as we, as we look back and kind of see where ECW was last year, we said what they're going to do when this roster goes away, bearing in mind that you had a, a Malenko and Guerrero kind of saga that was coming to an end, you had a, a Chris Benoit that came in, almost scared to say boot a goose and then he's cutting promos and pre-tapes, it's coming on well, Cactus I thought had maybe burned a bridge and in Atlanta, which could well turn out to be the truth, bearing in mind the full tag team spit situation. But he's obviously went to New York and kind of they've given him a bit of, a bit of kind of airtime. Um, hopefully we can see the likes of the promos and everything coming out because it is the, you almost see it as kind of rough diamonds that's in ECW, whether they're there kind of being a bit too flashy with the likes of Scorpio or maybe a bit kind of Hey, cool with Rob Van Dam. It's, mm. I don't know. It, it's something that I think with, especially with the kind of the, the kind of turn in the road that WCW's took this month. If you listen to part one, it does almost hit the reset button where pretty much anything could happen. Because if that happens in Atlanta, fuck knows what could happen anywhere else. But pretty much that will bring us to a close. For this month's CCW show. Um, Lacey, I just want to hand over to you. Plug fuck it is Super Brawls and anything else that will cross your mind. Well, as we all know, I do look back at the glory days of WCW. Um, we have just released the uh, Starcade 91, the very first Lethal Lottery slash Battle Bowl. <laughs> And dear God, that's a terrible, terrible execution of a 
what could have been a really good concept and possibly the fax is getting sent Bobby the fax is getting sent <laughs> and potentially by the time this is out our super clash bonus episode could be out um because obviously at the end of each year we sort of take a random show and do it as a as a bonus episode to sort of tied over the end of the year and randomly flicking on uh the network after recording an episode we went oh let's have a look what they've got in the awa vaults and there it was super clash free main evented by kerry von eric versus jerry the king lawler title versus title unification yes. And with such wonderful matches as Manny Fernandez and Wahoo McDaniels in an Indian <laughs> match. And as if you've listened to Super Bowls, you know how much I hate fucking Wahoo. <laughs> um, you've got a lingerie street fight battle royal. Has anyone ever segued through Wahoo McDaniel to lingerie? <laughs> <laughs> from from a promotion called the POWW, the Powerful Women of Wrestling. Pow! Um, that's a sight to be seen. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's fucking awful. But, after that, we do get to cleanse with the second of the Japanese super shows. WCW versus New Japan. And if the first one's any to get things to go by, it should be awesome. Pretty decent, yeah. So you can find all of that on iTunes, search Super Brawls, uh, we're on Podbeam, but I don't know how that works, so probably search Super Brawls, uh, Twitter, at Super Brawls, Facebook, Super Brawls. It's all nice and easy to find. And obviously, if you want my musing on other things like music, football, films, politics... Or look at the disgustingly fatty foods that I'm eating with pictures of me putting up donut burgers and things. Then <laughs> follow me on Lacey555666. And everyone listening, if they have got to this point, bearing in mind the dream team that has been reformed, that was a sell, my friend. That was a sell. Um, my name is Del Muir. That's Chris Lacey. Do obviously check out the Wrestling 20 Years Ago website, wrestling20yrs.com. Sign up to the RSS feed. Check us out on iTunes. The AAA show is still there. Do catch that out for nothing less than me speaking Spanish. Um, do also subscribe on iTunes. Do leave a rating. Do give us a review. They do matter. Bobby Bamber with it tooting his own has apparently written the best thing he has ever written for the website as well. So check that out. If you do want to mess anything, do sign up to the newsletter. We don't spam. We will just send you a monthly newsletter. Um, it'll give you the highlights of the blogs, highlights of the shows. We've obviously got the Monday Night War waiting on. There's been part one and part two of this month. We're in your house and part two. And obviously Bash at the Beach on part one. Um, do check out everything that is there. The website's there, the RSS feed, the newsletter, the iTunes. Again, do leave a review and a subscription. But as I say for Bobby Bamba, this has been the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast at Volume 3 for July 1996. That was Chris Lacey. My name is Del Muir. I am on Twitter, but don't follow me. Follow Jesus. And until next time, goodbye.